Welcome to Sex Empowerment with Helen and Halima. This is going to be an amazing, amazing podcast because it's a very important podcast on male sexuality. We're going to be cracking the myths of male sexuality. So this is for both men and women. It's going to be information packed and you're going to hear some things you may have never heard before. Um, And before we dive into this big topic, right, like cracking the myth of male sexuality, Helen, we, we, we have to... Um, let everyone know that you are a psychosexual therapist and relationship therapist. So we're not coming here with opinions. We're coming here with some science and some um, experience. I want to let people know that as well, Helen. Thank you very much, Halima, <laughs> for introduction. <laughs> yes, indeed. I don't want, want men saying, what does she know about malsexuality? So... <laughs> So I want to get that out in the open. Um, And this is a very important topic because it impacts so much of our lives, especially the women who um, love men um, and with the men that we love. Um, And I know with you working as a sexual psychotherapist, you share some of your stories to me offline about your clients, just men in general, how they experience um, some of these myths that um, we're going to be talking about today. So kind of give me your opinion as to, as to what's the current you know, theme of male sexuality, how it's perceived, I should say. Well, um, male sexuality is actually uh, not as well presented, I would say, and explored as female sexuality, paradoxically, uh, because um, historically men, um, like, are supposed not to have any problems. So it's kind of straightforward with men. And uh, again, according to one of the existing myths, uh, men are those who do not have sexual function problems. But the reality is actually completely different. There are a lot of men who suffer from sexual function issues, and a lot of these men suffer in silence as well or try to resolve it uh, using quick fix things that uh, work for some time, but then stop working. Yeah, the, the suffering and silence is a big one because they, they don't reach out for help as often say um, that maybe women do as well, as you mentioned before. Um, when there is some form of male dysfunction, how, uh, you know, we, we know there's a health issue, but how does that bleed into the rest of their lives so far as relationships and um, their career, et cetera? How does it bleed into other areas of their life? Well, it has a huge impact on males' life, uh, on different areas of males' uh, males' life, especially his ego, his self-esteem. And of course, when self-esteem and ego are affected, it affects him socially, professionally, relationship-wise. And um, this is basically something that, um, again, society doesn't talk about that much. Men don't want to talk about it because um, when they come to see uh, professionals like myself, it's some kind of emergency situation when there is no way out of that. So when kind of he reached that level of um, desperation, I would say, that he, he needs someone to help him. Or there are situations when a woman would bring her partner to the therapy room and then they start like couple therapy or convince her man that he needs to go and see professional help. And we're going to talk about that today, how women contribute to this um, the societal ideas about male sexuality. So... Why do you think that the male sexuality is like, shh, shh, don't talk about it. It's just assumed that it's supposed to, men are supposed to be. Um, this is one of the myths that men are always potent and always ready to go. Yes, because um, I think um, male uh, sexuality expression of men through sex is kind of the way he can, um, his thought obviously, to express himself as a man and especially to um, 
they, they have this uh, pressure of performance. So kind of the only way uh, it is believed that men are very difficult, they struggled uh, to express their emotions. They struggled to talk about what they feel because that's, again, historically how they are brought up and uh, taught by their fathers, by their grandfathers, uh, by other men. And the only way they can express themselves is sexually. The only way they can um, tell women what they feel about her is through sex. Mm. And, of course, um, you know, this um, situation exists when men brag about their performance with women um, to their friends, right? Uh, how they performed or how many women they had. Yeah. through sexual activity and uh, that's unfortunately leads to a lot of problems in their lives and relationships and what okay i know this is kind of maybe a little off topic but maybe not why do you think this whole thing of bragging and um where is that coming i guess this is the ego need, needing to prove or compete with other men yes a realization himself as a man so the way of realization yourself is basically being competitive and not just being competitive in life and business, but being competitive in sex. And I work with a lot of men who are quite successful in their, you know, professional life. And somehow they bring that mentality to bedroom as well. They feel that they have to be competitive with their partner. Uh, they have to be competitive with all the uh, partners she had before him. So he has to prove to her that he's the best, he's the strongest, he's the man, the man of the man. And then um, somehow what I also noticed is he is competing with, uh, with her as well, strangely enough. Ooh. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so he's kind of like... Um, showing to her that uh, he's stronger than her because obviously we live in a very competitive world where women are quite competitive as well and somehow it uh, transferred to bedroom as well. Wow. And this is all happening unconsciously or this is something that we actually think about? Because the bedroom, we, we think about more intimacy. We, we think of, you know sweetness and maybe a little bit of aggression but you know we don't i'm not thinking about competition competing with someone you know my man um through sex so can you explain go into depth about that well it's kind of happening on subconscious level and conscious level believe it or not because um what i also found interesting is that uh, this man who come to see me for uh, problems like unreliable erection or uh, performance anxiety um they uh, say that uh, they don't have problems like this with women who for example they don't kind of women's who they look down at so women's who they think um she's she's not gonna be my partner long-term partner she's not smart enough she's uh, maybe not beautiful enough for me so with women like this they don't have problems sexually but with women who they look up to that's when problem starts and it's actually quite a common problem, believe it or not. That's very interesting. So you mentioned some of the uh, issues with um, erectile dysfunction. What are some of the other common problems that men uh, are experiencing with their sexual function? So erectile dysfunction, or we also call it unreliable erections, this is like the most common problem. But also men can experience uh, problems with premature ejaculation or delayed ejaculation or uh, problems with sexual drive and libido, uh, or even orgasm. But the most uh, kind of like the most common problem is uh, when there is like absent erection or weak erection or when men cannot maintain erection during sexual activity. 
or it doesn't have a reaction when he wants it to have to happen. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, the um, contributing health factors that may cause these symptoms? So uh, obviously when I start working with my clients, the first thing I tell them is that they have to eliminate any physical uh, health issues that could contribute to their pro to their problem. And uh, normally I would say that the first uh, thing that they have to do is to go and see a medical doctor and take some tests. That medical doctor can uh, tell them if, you know, they're healthy generally, if there is no like uh, drop in testosterone production if there is no uh, problems with heart or with uh, blood pressure or with uh, diabetes the list is quite long actually and that's something that we discuss with my clients um, but what is important for men to know is that if for example they um, uh, had never problems with their uh, sexual activity and with their erections, and then suddenly they uh, started to experience problems out of nowhere, right? So that could be an underlying cause for heart uh, attack or strokes uh, because it's important uh, to understand that arteries that are located near penis, they're so tiny that they feel... Uh, problems with uh, cardiovascular system much um, earlier than it can be diagnosed in, you know, cardiovascular system itself. So if there is a case like this, it's important to go and check with medical doctor to make sure that it's not the case. Um, because uh, men's um, cardiovascular system and uh, reproductive system are very uh, connected and interrelated as well. But one of the most uh, contributing factor, and again, when the physical uh, factors eliminated, there is no like general health problems, then we look at psychological side of the problem because one of the biggest issues is stress anxiety. That's the, the biggest killers of male uh, sexuality. Well, I really appreciate that you explaining the penis and heart connection uh, interrelation. So if they're having some form of, um, like you said, um, I call it a erectile dysfunction, something like that, that could be an indicator of a heart cardiovascular issue. So that's yeah. very important to make that connection. Um, and we also, we do know that stress is worse it's just it's bad for a whole a, a litany of different types of health concerns yes. um but when men say they high-powered men or men who are have a lot of demands on them family business working uh fin financial issues etc um how do you support them in kind of moving out of that stress state into uh, a place where they can take necessary action but also coming from a place of you know, more calm and more, more um, confident? Well, first of all, uh, there are a lot of things for them to understand. Uh, and especially when, uh, yes, obviously, how to relax, how to um, unwind from stressful situations as well. But also uh, those ideas, those myths that they have um, that kind of cause that embarrassment and a lot of these ideas and myths, they create themselves. They are not realistic. There's something that he heard maybe when he was a kid or when he was a teenager or something that, uh, I don't know, some um, angry girlfriend told him and it kind of uh, ingrained into his mind. And that creates uh, embarrassment. So if, for example... Um, sexual intercourse doesn't go the way he expects, that creates embarrassment, shame. And the emotion of shame or embarrassment, it increases anxiety. So it's very important to uh, educate, um, obviously, men who have uh, problems uh, with sexual health uh, on how these things uh, work and, um, you know, what this myths are and how they can affect him additionally. And of course, oh. um, his woman, 
woman he's in relationship with. That's important factor to his health as well, because it depends a lot on that. You make a distinction. So there's general stress, right? There's work life, etc. And then there's stress and anxiety that comes from previous experience with sex. Yeah. Pre prejudices, statements, kind of what he thinks of himself. Uh, because a lot of men, they are kind of, they create these uh, ideas. They try to read people's mind and they uh, create these ideas and they believe in these ideas. So, for example, like this idea about size, one of the biggest uh, problems that um, a lot of men struggle with, this myth about size. Does size matter? That's the question. Yeah, exactly. That we hear often, yeah. <laughs> this concern about size. Um, so, what I want to say to men who are concerned about this, that uh, women, and I'm telling you as a woman myself and as a psychosexual therapist as well, you need to differentiate fantasy from reality because what we fantasize is one thing, but what is reality and practicality of reality is different thing. So women... Uh, even if they fantasize about big sizes, it doesn't mean that they want to have big size in their life because big size means pain, injury, and discomfort. And um, in order for a woman to get to orgasm, big size won't help this because all the, like physically, all the, uh, the area that is responsible for female orgasm is basically clitoris and clitoris is quite a big organ but it's located in the beginning of entry vaginal entry so having big size will not resolve problem and when women like appreciate or value men they don't really think about size all they think about is how pleasant that experience was how did he make her feel? Did he treat her well? Did he treat her like a goddess? Uh, you know, did he make you feel safe? The last thing women would be thinking about is his size. And especially when women talk between each other, they never ever, that's another thing actually, when uh, men uh, have like, you know, problems with erection, another uh, quite big fear that actually quite common, interestingly, they think that woman leaves that bedroom, goes and tells everybody about him in details. This is a big miss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it happens. It can but happen, yes. But one maybe in a million um, times and nobody would take this seriously because if woman like this goes and tells everybody that something wrong with the guy she's just slept with, everybody thinks something wrong with her. Right, exactly. She's actually yeah. uh, not giving um, herself any credit by doing this. She's just basically humiliating herself, not that guy. I agree, yes. And that's one thing. Another thing what I always explain to my clients is that uh, understand that if, say, um, there was a problem with erection and you kind of feel like a failure at that point. Remember that this woman who's with you, she feels like a failure herself because she thinks that you're not into her. You're not attracted by her. That's why it's her fault, not your fault. That's a very good point. Which, which I think ties into the, another myth that men are responsible for women's orgasm. And that's the stress and anxiety that goes along with sexual performance that men feel. Or, or, and also, um, when, men, yeah. when, when men watch a lot of porn, if they're watching porn, if they're watching porn, you see the women yelling and screaming and, and like yeah. in real life, that may not be happening. So that's like, okay, so they're comparing it. So can you talk about, like, are, are men responsible for women? Um, well, 
No. Well, I would say uh, 90% of female orgasm is her responsibility. 10%, I would say, yes, men contribute to female orgasm, of course, because female orgasm, it's a very multifaceted phenomenon. Um, there are lots of things that, um, you know, important for it to happen, including her relationships, including her being with the right guy, feeling safe, feeling beautiful, feeling, you know, connected to him. And of course, his skills as well, somehow. But the 90% of female orgasm is obviously, you know, depend on woman because she's, uh, um, she obviously has to, how to say it, um, um it doesn't come naturally to most women so uh, there is like um special again adjustment training understanding that will help women to experience orgasm and it's not um her man's responsibility as initial point it's her responsibility to do that to work on that so would you say that taking blame out of it, like, you know, men blaming women, men blaming themselves, women blaming themselves, if we could take the blame out of the sexual, you know, so, you know, what we don't like about sex or what we want more of sex, you know, sometimes it's, we don't want to study or train, but we want to blame our partner. Um, so how important is this training and education that I know that you teach as well? Well, uh, you should never blame anybody because if there is a problem in sexual um, activity, in sexual health with your partner, there is a problem of both of you. It's both of you are liable for this. Both, both of you are responsible for this. So if your, uh, if your partner uh, suffers from sexual function issue, it's not just his or her problem, it's your problem as well. So every, uh, you know, relationship have to be looked at from that point. Well, that requires communication. <laughs> that requires honest, gentle honesty. Um, because I know of women in the past um, who would say some, some th not so nice things to their partners. Um, as a way of lashing out, maybe they're frustrated, maybe they're tired of certain types of things, you know, and it just comes out. And I'm sure men say the same things as well. But when it comes down to a male psychology, it seems like there's a longer imprinting of, you know, that experience on their on their psyche and on their confidence over the long haul than women. Would that be, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely, because every time men come with unreliable erections, when we unpack it, there is always be something related to what woman said at a certain point of his life. And it could be something absolutely insignificant. It could be somebody, uh, you know, who just uh, maybe even didn't say anything, but kind of looked at him in a certain way or did something, then he interpreted it as at his, you know, account. But yes, it's very much um, for women and also for men, because, you know, when you are have an argument, always watch your words, always, you know, choose carefully what you are saying in that heat of argument so you don't regret afterwards because these words they're quite powerful and they can have really long-lasting traumatic effect on your partner and yes indeed women can destroy um, men by saying really uh, you know hurting words towards especially when it's directed to his penis and to his uh, male sexuality because um, it stays in men's psych for quite a long time and it's quite damaging until he meets another woman who will take him out of that hole yeah and that actually happens to women as well but with male uh, sexuality it's especially it's so um you know um it's so damaging and they try to remedy remedy the the problem through sometimes like viagra 
or um, they may even, I know there's even penile implants now. Yeah. Um, so men are trying to, you know, figure out how to be, you know, quote unquote, more, or, you know, get more girth, um, whatever they feel they're lacking, more longevity. Yep. But that doesn't really get to the core of the problem, does it? No, unfortunately not, because the problem is that if men experiences sexual function issues, the first point of contact will be doctor, medical doctor. And I do not object. In fact, I encourage men to go and see medical doctor, like I said, to eliminate those physical con uh, contributing factors. But quite often medical uh, men go to doctor in order to resolve the, their sexual function issues especially when it comes to psychology and doctors, medical doctors are not trained in this field. And quite often what medical doctors uh, do, they prescribe Viagra. Viagra comes in all different forms under all different names, Cialis, uh, uh, Tadanafil. There are lots of, lots of different um, trademarks and names and they're used in uh, different countries as well under different names. The thing is that Viagra doesn't resolve problem at all. It can resolve it for a short period of time, but in a while, those men who have been taking it, they will see that Viagra stops working. And in order for Viagra to work, still your brain has to be um, sexually stimulated. Because some men think, oh, if I take Viagra, I'm not going to have problem at all. That's a big mistake. Or uh, I will take a little bit of Viagra just to maintain my erections from time to time. I heard this, uh, some men saying that. That's a big mistake. Because the main organ that is deciding what type of uh, erection you're going to have, when you're going to have it, um, and what... Uh, the quality of your sexual activity will be, is your brain. Remember that. Whether you're taking Viagra or not, your brain has to be present. Your brain decides if it's going to work or it won't work. And that's the work with psychosexual therapists. Very important work. And it also ties into the other myth that men are always ready or they should always be, you know, have a heart on. Like, yeah, that's what was some of that. I remember the commercials and discussions, the parodies of Viagra was like they, they had to go to the hospital because they couldn't get their erection down. Like, you know, so it's like, and it's, it's some of the beliefs that we have is myth that you always supposed to have a, an erection. Yeah, it's a, it's such a, you know, disturbing myth as well. And actually, quite often, uh, when men come for consultation, and again, we start to look into the problem in more details, it turns out to be that these problems with erections happen when they were not sexually aroused. Because sex happened too soon. Sex happened on the first date, or uh, somebody they hardly knew, or while they were drunk. And erection didn't happen. And when erection didn't happen, he got he 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 got scared. So next time he's actually he's he has fear of failure because he already he's creating that vicious circle that it might not happen this time if it didn't happen that time. And that's based on this myth that men always have to have erection. This is. Uh, people, this is uh, this is bullshit. Excuse my word, but um, <laughs> you know, men are not um, heartless, soulless uh, animals. You know, they're people. They're uh, people, emotionally charged people. They have to have feelings. They have to be sexually stimulated. They have to be connected to someone in order to have that erection. Well, that's the myth. That's that's. I'm glad we're talking about this because so many women and men themselves obviously believe that um, they can have sex, uh, disconnected sex, with the whole pump and dump idea. Yeah. Um, and going back to what you said about you said a lot of men had sexual issues um, having sex on the first night. 
Yeah, that, but that's very this, interesting. But this thing is that a man finds it if he's offered sex, he finds it uh, difficult to say no, right? Because yeah. uh, even if he's not uh, sexually aroused, he he is kind of uh, struggling to admit to himself that he, he doesn't feel like having sex. Maybe he feels like getting to know that person more. Maybe he feels like uh, establishing that contact with that person. Um, but um, he's offered um, sense. Sorry? Or maybe he's not a, that attracted. And, and exactly, yeah. He's simply have... not attracted, not sexually right. attracted. I mean, he's nice. He could be nice, polite, but deep inside he's not sexually attracted. He's not obligated to be sexually attracted to every woman. And the no. same women as well. You know, you, you're not sexually attracted to everybody you meet on the street. Otherwise, it would be a dangerous situation. <laughs> Overpo more overpopulations, they say. Yeah. So I also want to <laughs> kind of dig in this really quickly about... Um, this whole idea, like if it's offered, that's all I talk to my clients that just because you offer sex doesn't mean the, the guy want, wanted to have sex with you. He'll take it because maybe it's offered. It's like making a good meal. He may yeah. have eaten already, but he smelled the food is available. Dibbling uh, dabble in it. It doesn't mean that he was really hungry for it. So sometimes it's like, I think it goes back to that whole myth of, um, letting people down or you're supposed to be that you know kind of guy who can knock all these women down or, or quote unquote or conquer these women um and women play a play a part in that because if if if, if, if offered and he says no i'm not interested tonight how would <laughs> how awful it is for everybody oh my god <laughs> Will the world will the world exist tomorrow if he says no, not tonight, or no, I'm not interested? Yeah. He's entitled not to be interested. He's entitled not to be in the mood for sex. And uh, he might have just stressful day and he just doesn't want to have sex. Yeah. That's something that we have, I know as women, we have to work on and supporting our men or just men in general that like you said they're not entitled to want to have sex or obligated to have sex um but i think that when women feel um they'll feel rejected in that sense right they may feel rejected if a man says no we're not used to hearing no not tonight or no i'm not interested um that can, you know, the whole myth of all men cheat. Okay, who who are you out with? Like, who are you? <laughs> if your relationship and your man tells you not tonight, then your mind may go, I'm just assuming, I don't know for sure. It may go to, oh, okay, who you been messing with? Mm hmm Okay, well, I think in that case, uh, women have to start working on their self-esteem because, um, are we talking about here, are we talking about like existing relationships? Or are we talking about someone who just met someone for like first or second date? Existing relationships. So existing like relationships. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if it's existing relationships um, and you are with this guy uh, for some time and suddenly you offer sex and he doesn't want to have sex, then uh, I mean... Take into account uh, the circumstances uh, in which kind of condition he is. Like, uh, is he back from work? What type of day he had? What was going on in his life? How is his health? And like lots of other things. But sometimes he's just not in the mood. And if you start worrying about it, then maybe it's time to look at, uh, you know, at the quality of sexual relationships, the quality of sex that is, uh, is happening between you two, the quality of communication as well. Because remember one thing, if guy is in love, if guy is fully satisfied, 
he won't be cheating. He won't be he won't need this because to cheat it requires a lot of consequences afterwards. It, you know, the guys who cheat, um it's it's actually making a lot of efforts to this. It's only in desperate situation he would cheat because he's not happy, his needs are not met. But if do, sorry, so we have to do a podcast on this to unpack the cheating aspect. Yes, <laughs> yes, I think we have to do separate video on this. But yes. um, look at that fact that he's a human being and he can say no uh, without like being with somebody. He right. just doesn't want to have sex. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And again, it's taking the blame out of everything as well, not blaming yourself or blaming anyone, but just being able to observe behavior um, and to ask these these gentle these questions um, and look at introspection. This is about, you know, being curious about why it could. It's not always that, but that's like the default that we go to is the cheating part. But there could be a various issues going on or just someone can be not in their mood. But that's so hard for women to some women to understand. So what uh, some of the other myths you want to talk about is um, that good sex require orgasm. Is that true? Well, that's another quite damaging myth because that's kind of myth that leads to faking orgasms. Oh. Right? Uh, somehow, um, again, uh, men think that woman has to have orgasm every time she has sex with him which is obviously um you know there has to be some kind of balance here because there are men who don't think about women's pleasure woman's orgasm and there are men who think that woman has to have has to have obligated forced to have orgasm because it will be indication how good he is so he has to satisfy her by all means and sometimes again sometimes woman just doesn't want to have orgasm believe it or not she might get into sexual activity with you because she really likes you she really loves you she really wants uh, wants you to have sex because she sees that you you need it but she might not want to have orgasm at this point right she's not thinking that's like the end result that she's hunting for is connection it's connection intimacy yeah. Yeah, love um because yeah sex is not about intercourse only and sex is not about high quality sex is not about orgasm only obviously if you having it it's fantastic it's great but if you don't then you should not kind of pressurize you with that you should not kind of look at it as it's like a punishment there is no orgasm okay i'm gonna beat myself up uh, i'm not a good lover i'm not uh, you know i'm not uh, man enough or i'm whatever right so communication again communication is very important with mm -hmm. your partner mm -hmm. um what I was thinking about was like, you know, unburdening these myths really can create a lot more intimacy in relationships. That's what I'm sensing when we can, yeah. you know, get, get beyond that. Mm -hmm. I wanted actually to recommend this book. Um, it's called The New Male Sexuality by Bernie Zilbergeld. It's a very old book. It was written in the previous century, but uh, I'll tell you what, nothing has changed since then when it comes to male sexuality. And I think this book has to be read by all the men as a Bible because it uncracks so many things that a man brought up with that obviously damage their self-esteem, damage their... Uh, ego damage their relationships and uh, so on it would make a lot of men's life easier if they knew the things mm -hmm. and you said that much and, has changed since it was written that no that's a lot yeah mm -hmm. okay so going into the next um 
myth, and I think this is a big one, is that real men, quote unquote, real men, I don't like that term at all, um, but they don't have sexual health problems. Like yeah, I think we're that. a little bit touched on that, but yes, uh, that's when men struggle to acknowledge or admit if they have sexual function problems, they don't want to deal with them. To go and see psycho sexual therapist about their problem, it's a big step for many men. Sometimes I get clients who like they don't want to be seen. So they just kind of hide behind um, screen. Uh, they just don't want to be seen how how embarrassed they are. Yes. Because they think if they have if they develop sexual function problem, it's the end of their manhood. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is wrong because uh, it's your health. And sometimes uh, your sexual function issue is based on some thing that you just need to acknowledge you just need to talk through it and you know it will be gone well how, how important um again going back to the outside influences societal influences we can look at again i mentioned pornography earlier but just the whole um the whole um entertainment industry in hollywood so far as sex how it's shown on television and you know, um, with the, the spontaneous, wild, crazy sex, it has to be that way for it to be good. Or um, again, uh, comparing the screens and, <laughs> and all of the, the gymnastics <laughs> and comparing yourself to that. Um, you know, how much of that is influencing a lot of, um, not just men, but influencing our expectations? In our oh, a lot, a lot. And in fact, um, I would—I always thought, well, we kind of we have so much access to different type of information, and it's so difficult these days to kind of to fool people with uh, information because everything is out there. But um, it's still a big uh, problem because people compare themselves to these uh, porn movies that they watch. Actually, I wanted to say porn is the worst educational material you can possibly find because porn is specifically created for entertainment. Never learn uh, sexual skills from porn. It's the same as you would uh, compare yourself to James Bond, you know, a fantasy uh, figure, and then get upset because you can't uh, fight, uh, I don't know, 100 guys and then have uh, sex uh, after flying skyscrapers with 10 women. You know, it's, <laughs> it's impossible. But this is what porn is about. Porn is about entertainment. It has nothing to do with real sexual health, with um, sexuality, with pleasure, with anything. I love that. I love that. It landed for me, the James Bond thing, because, yeah, you don't expect to go out here and just solve the world's problems, you know, just because you saw it on television. So making yeah, exactly. a distinction between fantasy and, like, your real tangible world. Yeah, very, very important. Differentiate, so yes. Fantasy is very important. Fantasy is also important for sex life. But fantasy plays a completely different role. So differentiate fantasy from reality. Reality is one thing, fantasy is another thing. And quite often what we want to have in reality, uh, you know, we don't want that from fantasy. We want it to, to stay in fantasy world. Mm -hmm. Don't mix yeah. these two things. <laughs> don't mix them. And kind of manage your expectations accordingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, because people are getting paid to do that and put on the show, you know. Um, so also, I want to just ask, I know we're going to we're coming up against our time. But I want to ask you, because you mentioned this term several times throughout this our time today. Helen, you mentioned high quality sex. Now, that may be, you know, subjective. Um, but what, what what do you mean when you say high quality sex? Well, there are a kind of... Um... Yes, uh, it's very subjective. For everybody, high-quality sex would mean something different. But um, 
high quality sex is when when you enjoy it when you enjoy it in your own way when you are able to connect with your partner or your partners when you're able to uh, relax to recharge uh, to achieve pleasure from that that's high quality uh, sex when you are able to establish that intimacy that connection when you are stressed when you are traumatized when you have depression or anxiety or have really you know negative kind of uh, thoughts uh, or feelings uh, or physical kind of uh, that's uh, you know that's not what sex should be about and so that's the health and sex connection um, you want to be health, have a healthy body, mind, um, and spirit. Um, and, um, I love it. So are there any myths that we did, didn't cover? Um, we may have to do a part two on this one. And also I love for the men who may want to, um, send questions, um, for when we do a live show, we'll love to, you know, answer your questions. You'll have Helen to uh, answer your, your, your male sexual health questions. So I know a lot of men want information, but they may not be willing to, um, they may, you know, feel like they don't want to come on and talk about it live, but you can definitely email um, your questions. Yep. I'm going to put the email here too. You can always email me. You can find me on this website. You can email me and even arrange 15 minutes free non-obligatory consultation. Everything is strictly confidential and ask questions and express your concerns and you'll see that uh, it will be worth it because suffering in silence won't get you anywhere it's your life it's your health it's your relationships so think about it and if you want to um send a specific question that you want us to talk about on the show just email me halima the handler at gmail.com and we will definitely uh, want to address your your questions or you know concerns. So, Helen, this has been an amazing um, information packed um, session or podcast. This has been amazing because I know this is going to support a lot of women and men. Are there any last words you want to share with um, either the women and the men um, about how to um, maybe make a, their first step? Their small step or a shift in their thinking? Well, uh, first of all, um, quite important to understand that there are lots of natural ways that you can support your male health and female health as well. But here we're talking about male health. So first yeah. of all, yes, your physical general health, um, your uh, what you eat, because uh, the interesting thing, and that's something that I provide my clients with, um, there, are, there is a specific food that can naturally increase your level of testosterone, um, and there is a food that can decrease your level of testosterone. Uh, for example, like grapefruit. I don't know how many men know that grapefruit can decrease your level of testosterone or drinking beer with hops because hops is something that decreases um, male testosterone and uh, pumps men with uh, female hormones. So things like this are important to acknowledge um, because it all has contribution to your male health. Um, another thing is um, fitness and specifically pelvic floor fitness for men. Another thing that is not very widely um, known, however, there are uh, programs uh, popping up these days that uh, try to kind of promote the fact that men all also have pelvic floor as women do. And it's essential uh, in male's health. So there, are, uh, there is a program that I teach to men, it's called Erection Fitness, and that program specifically designed uh, to help men to uh, improve their sexual health and to maintain their sexual health, and it's regardless of their age, because it's traditionally 
believe that men at the age of, say, 50, 60, start to experience sexual function problems just because of age. This is not true because if you look after yourself, if you, um, you know, do the, the right um, exercises, these problems will go away. And I have it in my practice when men uh, 60 plus who were prescribed Viagra, who had no uh, hope for having like a normal sexual activity without any medication, actually got off that medication and uh, enjoying their sex without any assistance. Uh, I even heard this uh, feeling like in their 20s. So it's all very important, this kind of um, information. And of course, uh, communication with your partner. Um, your partner plays quite important role in your sexual health. And if uh, relationships are not good, if they're toxic, um, if there is lots of argument going on, so try to resolve that. But uh, if it's not possible, get out of those relationships because they are only damaging your male health and your longevity. Remember that your uh, male sexual health and your longevity are very connected. Awesome. So um, thank you so much, Helen. What an amazing show. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Again, you have the uh, website here is londonpsychosexualtherapy.co.uk um, to reach Helen. And you can get a 15-minute um, no-cost consultation. And also for any questions that you may have for me, um, any topics you want to talk about or have any questions about your male sexual health, you can email me at helimathehandler at gmail.com. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you, Helen. Thank you.